I would like you to turn them to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'd like to spend a, a little while today on a topic. I want to preach on this topic when it doesn't make sense. I don't know if you've ever been there in your life. Uh, I know I have. I've been, uh, there's been times in my life when certain things happen, certain things go down, and it just does not make sense. I can't make sense out of it. Uh, I can't wrap my mind around it. There are things that happen. You just, you try to, you try to put logic to, you try to work them through your mind. It's like, how in the world uh, uh, is this possible? And it just doesn't make sense. Well, I believe we have a good text here this morning in the chapter of the heroes of the faith. And uh, we're going to read a couple verses here uh, in, the, in, the, in the first part of this chapter, but I'll begin to focus mainly in verse 35 down to the end of the chapter and into chapter 12, a couple of verses there. But by way of introduction, uh, I want to uh, say this. In the first half of this chapter, or matter of fact, more than half of this chapter, this chapter is about heroes of the faith. And he starts there in verse 1 and he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then he says, For by it the elders... They obtained a good report. Now, you drop down to verse 6 here. And verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. Talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If you seek God, God is rewarder. Uh, let that verse uh, uh, answer your questions. Well, why does God do, do so many evil things? That, that's not what your Bible says. The Bible says God is a rewarder. And we can talk and preach about evil things. And the Lord's working in my heart now. I was thinking about beginning a series of message messages, and it might only be one message, uh, uh, about what is going on. It's like our world's upside down. World's upside down. And, and, and showing you from the Word of God, now if you're thinking I'm going to date World War III and date the rapture, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Uh, I haven't lost my mind that much yet. But I can show us from the Word of God what is going on. What is going on? Why is, why is there so many people that are totally against the things that we grew up with, that we were for, that we were raised with? From the Word of God, we can answer that. But now this morning, God is a rewarder. And God is a, is a God of good things. And So here we learn about Abel. And what Abel did, by faith, he offered up a sacrifice to the Lord. He just did what God told him to do. And then we see Noah. I mean, imagine Noah. Uh, Noah, they had never seen rain before. And so God tells Noah to build an ark because it's going to flood. Could you imagine the ridicule that he received because of that? But Noah didn't let the peer pressure of the day affect 
what God had told him to do. And then we turn to and we learn about Abraham, one of the great heroes of the faith and the, and the father of the Israel nation, which the world seems to ever increasing to hate. And I'll tell you why they hate Israel. Because they're God's chosen people. And there is a devil in this world and a wicked, wicked spirit that is opposed to anything that God likes. And so if they can destroy Israel, then they can put in your mind that God could be defeated or that God's not real. We'll talk about that, Lord willing, in the weeks to come. But then we learn about Sarah, who's beyond years, and she has a child, a promised child. We learn about Jacob, and then we learn about Moses, the great hero of the faith of Moses, the man that God sent down to lead Israel out of the iron furnace, which the Bible calls Egypt, because there were slaves down there, and had been for some 400 years. And so Moses, when he come of age, he was raised in the palace. But the Bible said he chose rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God. I mean, the Bible's clear. <laughs> They're God's people. And then we come down and we begin to learn about Rahab the harlot. And then about verse 32 and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. Remember Samson? Jephthah of David also and Samuel of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire. Three Hebrew children. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead. Raised to life again. But look what happens. There's a semicolon there. And he's going to interject something. And this is about where everybody in the world and all the preachers of the day that are the big famous TV preachers, not Bible believers, they don't ever want to preach on the last half of this chapter. We're going to spend some time there. Because God has some interesting things to say about this. And I'll tell you why I believe God put this message on my heart. As we hear so much health and welfare preaching, that if you're right with God, everything goes peachy. And that if you're a child of God, everything just goes good. And if it's not going good, then you're not right with God or something's wrong. Well, that is a possibility. But that might not necessarily be the case. Now let's get some scriptural backing for this. And he says, and others... Now, here's what I want you to get. They're heroes of the faith, too. They had faith. They pleased God. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and of imprisonments. 
They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world... He throws this in there. You see that semicolon? He's going to inject another thought just so you didn't think that they weren't right with God when they experienced all this. Of whom the world was not worthy. That's what God says about this people. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and these all haven't obtained a good report. God said... We've seen there in verse 2 that those heroes of the faith had a good report with God. And he's, he's being clear to tell you that these people got a good report with God. Think about a report card. They were getting straight A's. Good report. Through faith, receive not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they might, without us, should not be made perfect. Now we must read chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 because now he's going to bring this argument together. Now we've seen the heroes of the faith. We've seen the ones that we love. And I, I would love nothing better than to tell you stories of Abel and Samson and David and his, his, how he was a slayed Goliath and, and so on and so forth. But we must spend some time focused on this group here that he just named, the ones that were destitute, the one that wandered about in sheepskins, they were 100% right with God. God loved them just as much as he did Abraham and Sarah. They did what God told them to do, but yet things were not peachy in their lives. They were stoned. They had bad things happen to them. And he goes in chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore? He's saying, because of everything I've just told you, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He's drawing into these people their witnesses, the heroes and the ones that we don't readily think are heroes. We would call them today the losers. They're not losers. Oh, bad things are happening in their lives. They got sicknesses they can't deal with. They're losing things. They got to be losers. And God said, no, they're witnesses. Now watch this. This popped out to me this morning. I've been preparing this message, but I must show you why. And he says, let us. Now he's bringing it into us today. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You say, what's he saying, preacher? He's saying that these heroes of the faith that we were reading about in the last part of this chapter ran the race that God sat before them. And it was not the same race that God put in front of Abraham. It was not the same race that God put in front of King David. It was not the same race and, 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 and goodness that, that was in the life of Samson and the strength and the victories he won. 
But he says, this was a race I wanted them to run. And he said, they wouldn't even ask for deliverance from them. They were faithful to run that race out. And they're witnesses to us today that whatever race God has set in our life, we should be able to run. What's he say? Let us run with patience. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye... Be wearied and faint in your minds. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, Lord, today and for a few moments, let us gain encouragement from the Scriptures. Let us gain nourishment from the Scriptures. Lord, help us. Let not the devil discourage our hearts to think that we're losers because our lives is not like some of the lives of the heroes of the faith. Lord, be with those souls that have not accepted you as their Savior. Let them repent and turn to you today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, nobody wants to talk about this group of people. This is not what I would call a good reading material. It doesn't leave the reader thinking like, wow, uh, uh, man, this, I'm just, I got a lot of good to look forward to. I don't know about you, but I don't think I want to dress in sheepskins, being destitute and afflicted. That, that, that brings to mind physical ailments, afflicted, and then tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. I'm thinking of Isaiah the prophet who was sawn asunder. He makes mention. He doesn't mention his name. But he was sawn in two for being a prophet of God. I, you know, that day he wasn't having a good day. I've often thought about the pain that Isaiah must have been in when they actually sawed him in two. I, I, I don't know that I could handle something like that. And he's saying that these witnesses, I allowed that to happen so that you and I can understand that God has a race for us to run and no, maybe we're not going to have a life like Abraham. And Abraham had his battles also. But overall, Abraham was a wealthy man and he had the blessings of God and he sat down and ate with Christ in person. We think about Abel. Here on this earth, genetic pool had not been so diluted yet. Now he had, he died an early death because of his brother Cain. But then we think about Noah and what Noah did for God. 
and had the faith that Noah had. But then we, we, often, we often center on Moses and the faith Moses had. Can you imagine being able to say, God told me to part the Red Sea, so he's going to put that rod over the sea and it just parts. And man, for all practical purposes, you think, that should be my life. Why can't I be a winner like that? In their mind, we're thinking, well, I'm, I, I need to be a winner. And if I'm not a winner like that, if good things aren't happening all the time in my life like that, then something's got to be wrong. When really in reality, it might not be. It just might be the race God wants you to run. It might be what God wants you to endure and he's put these people and he's allowed this stuff to happen. One, to encourage us. If they can do it, we can do it. God said they had a good report. and We could obtain a good report. God said they exercised faith. They had as much faith as Abraham and Moses and David. But yet things worked out differently. And their lives. Maybe you've had this question. Why did not God deliver them? Like he did Abraham. Like he did David. I've asked that question. Maybe you didn't ask it like that. Maybe you asked it like this. Well, why is that Christian? Why do they seem to always have success and everything goes right in their life, but nothing seems to go right in my life? You ever had that question? Um, I've had this question. God, <laughs> why are some preachers successful? They're Bible believers. They love the Lord. They're preaching the book right. And it seems like anything that they touch and that God has them to do, the thing flourishes. But then you got other men of God. Have you ever stopped to think about how many men of God that we don't know about that are just as smart, just as capable, and just as right, but yet nobody knows about them? Why? It just doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> Why do some people get healing in this life? I mean, they come down with a disease and the church prays for them. And then all of a sudden, it seems like God works that thing out and they come out smelling like a rose, better than they ever were. But yet, maybe you, your family, you pray, you cry, you weep. You ask God to heal and to fix, and it just gets worse. And say, why? That doesn't make sense. What have I done wrong? More than likely nothing. It doesn't make sense. I don't know if you've had things like that in your life. Maybe have a relationship or marriages that are tore apart and you're trying to put your mind around where did this thing go wrong? What's going on? Well, number one, we are in a battle, spiritual. But have you ever had that question? It doesn't make sense. What's going on? I'd like to tell you this. When it doesn't make sense, 
God's still there. God was still here for these people, and he tells you he was there. He was writing the report card out on them. And so I'm going to give you about three things. When you're in a situation like this, you say, it's don't make sense, preacher. It's not, maybe you've said this, it's not fair. It's not fair. I've cried that. It's not fair. Maybe you've said this. I'm tired of losing the small skirmishes and battles against the devil and watch him snatch people right out of this church. You ever thought about that? Maybe your children, you've raised them right, you've done the best you knew how to do, and it seems like the devil comes in and snatches them and they're gone, they're in the world. And you're like, that does not make sense. Ugh. Well, God's still there. And maybe it's just the race that he wants you to run. I'm going to give you three things. Number one, we find that in chapter 12, that's why we had to read that in verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, because that's when he adds us into this. There in verse 1 where he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, he pulls us into this cloud and says they can do it you can do it they're heroes of the faith it you're not being judged on what other people think but on what God thinks and he says looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith I would like to say number one when you're in a situation like that it don't make sense Trust God. You need to put your affection on things above. He says, looking unto Jesus. Trust God. He's the author, he says, and the finisher. This thing's not over until God says it's over. This thing started when God said it started, and it won't be over until he says it's done. God is in control is what he's telling you. He said, yeah, but the, the, these people, this wasn't, they weren't having a good day. They weren't laying around on their couch playing Nintendo, eating Cheetos. No, no, they were having a bad day. A lot of them had a bad life, but they were children of God. They were faithful. And he says that they would not accept deliverance so that they could obtain a better resurrection. You say, what, what, what did he mean by that? <laughs> I dare say these people here in the second half of this chapter are going to have more rewards in heaven than the ones in the first half. Now I'm on a limb on that. But he says they would not accept the deliverance. And it almost implies that Maybe they could have got deliverance, but they chose not to accept it and said, No, this is what God has told me to do. This is the race He set before me, and by the grace of God, I'm going to do it. Because they trusted God. Because they knew God was in the control. The author and the finisher of the faith. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. 
Only God can see the whole picture. And I'm reminded of Job. Remember Job? You know what God said about Job? He said he was a man who feared God and eschewed evil. You know what that word eschewed mean? It means if he even thought there was evil in an area, he got away. He just got out of there. He eschewed it. He went out of his way to avoid sin. I don't know about you. I don't always, I'm not always <laughs> number one in that. I don't always get an A on that. You know, especially if you put me in a Chinese buffet, I might get drunk on food or something. You know, not Job. Job said, absolutely not. He even offered sacrifices for his children. And by the way, parents and grandparents, it is not wrong to pray for your children and grandchildren. It's not wrong. Job even confessed their sins. Maybe the ones he didn't know, but Job said, I'm going to do that just in case they forgot. You know, I do that with you folks. I'm not trying to brag. It's just when I study the Word of God, I see that, that the man of God, the Bible says that the pastor watches for your souls. Sometimes I wonder, has so-and-so confessed their sins today? Lord, forgive them of their sins. Now, I don't know what they are, and maybe you didn't have none. But I went ahead... Pray God to forgive you anyway. Because as a pastor, I'm to, be that, I'm, I'm to be there to pray and to watch and to work in hand in hand with the Holy Spirit of God. I say trust in God. Job didn't know what was going on when he lost everything. Rich man. There was no sin. God said he was a man who feared God and eschewed evil. He was righteous, and that's just what God was saying. But yet the hammer fell one day, and he lost everything. And then got a disease. And if you read the commentators, they say he got some type of a skin cancer. The Bible says boils. Boils, is, it, it, it can mean different things. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was big, nasty, and scabby on his skin, and he took a pot shirt and scraped it, and it hurt. Job didn't know what was going on when he lost everything. God didn't tell Job what was going on. Sometimes I think we could go through things better if God would just tell us what's going on. I've been there. <laughs> I've said that. Lord, and here's what the Lord, or at least I think the Holy Spirit said back to me, God doesn't have to report to you. You're not the commander-in-chief. You're just a wee little preacher down there and you're to remain faithful. Wait a minute. I thought God had to run everything through me. Ain't that how we think sometimes? God didn't tell Job what was going on. Job couldn't see the whole picture. God was teaching the devil a lesson. Remember that? Job didn't even know what's going on. You know why God doesn't have to tell us what he's doing? Because God's God. He doesn't answer to us. But we do need to trust him that he knows best. Do you understand that our vision is so limited? It has been said to be like 
looking through a keyhole in a door. We can only see what we can see through that keyhole. But God has command of the whole thing. And so we're looking at such a limited little space. And we're saying, God, why didn't you do this? God, why didn't you work it out like this? And the whole time we can't see what was before and what's after. You know what? I'd rather have God make the decision on that. Because God is rewarder. God knows best. He says that all things work together for the good to them that love God, right? Who are called according to His purpose. Hey, I've had to repeat that back to God. I don't, man, alive. Lord, how are you going to work this thing out to the good? Well, we're not in eternity yet, son. Oh, we got that limited vision. We see so little. We need to trust God. When, when it doesn't make sense, when you don't know whether you're up or down or sideways with God, he's like, what do I do? Trust God. Number two, consider Christ. That's what verse 2 said in verse 3, or actually verse 3 in chapter 12. You see this? He says, for... Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You know, the Lord's life wasn't just peachy either. He was ridiculed. Can you imagine that? The God that created heaven and earth. I was thinking about that last night when I was down here, turning the, the furnaces on and praying and just doing some last minute meditation. Because it had been so much easier for God to say, you know what? I'm going to start over. But he endured the contradiction of sinners against himself and went to the cross for you and I. He didn't have to. He tells Peter, he said, I could call 12 legions of angels and wipe this whole place out. But he didn't. And the Bible says when it just doesn't make sense, Consider Christ. Christ endured the contradiction of sinners. It doesn't make sense. If you ever, and, and what he's saying is you need to consider the cross. He's telling you to stop and to begin to meditate on the cross. You know, when I, when I begin to do that, it doesn't make sense that Jesus would suffer for my sins and yours. The just for the unjust. That, that don't make sense to me. Why would God do that? Well, I can't see everything. Uh, my, my mind is finite. It has a limited capacity. But God is unlimited. I don't know. But God said, when, when it doesn't make sense, consider the cross. Spurgeon said this. If in the Sunday school class, the class seems unmanageable, if the boys cannot be taught, if the girls seem so giddy, if in the little village station the hearers seem dull, so inattentive, so careless and so forgetful, 
If in any other sphere or labor you do not seem to be appreciated, but to meet with very serious rebuffs, never mind. These are nothing compared with the contradictions which the Savior endured, and yet swerved he never, and therefore swerve not you. Wow. Quite a statement by the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. He says, look at what Jesus has done for you. In our difficulties, we should consider Christ, and it should encourage us. It should help us go a little farther. If these people could do it, and they were just human, we can do it. When it doesn't make sense, trust God. When it doesn't make sense, consider Christ, the cross. But three, when it doesn't make sense, keep the faith. Look at verse 39 with me in chapter 11. And these all having obtained a good report, how did they do that? Through faith. They had just as much faith as Abel and Abraham, Noah, and Moses. Matter of fact, they had so much faith that they were willing to die for it. I say, when it doesn't make sense, keep the faith. They kept the faith. They wavered not. They had as strong a faith as the heroes did. They endured the hardness as good soldiers. Isn't that what Christ tells us? This thought come to my mind. Not all heroes come back. You ever stop to think about that? Not all heroes that fight in wars come back. There's a lot of men that did some heroic things that were killed in action, never come back. And how soon we forget that. Sometimes I wonder, and I had this thought, I wonder if we're just so influenced by Hollywood that we think everything should have a happy ending that the hero always wins. He always comes out on top. Maybe that has affected our thinking because it don't always happen that way. Reality says it's not always peachy. It's not always easy. And you're not always a winner. Unless you want to count eternity with Christ. And then lastly of all, when it don't make sense, and like I said, trust God. Consider the cross. Keep the faith. And here's why. Look with me in, chap in, in chapter 11, verse 40. God having provided some better thing for, say it with me, us. He didn't say them. He said us. He's including us in this group. I really believe what God's trying to show us is you might not always have the life of Abraham or King David or Noah. 
or Samson or Rahab the harlot or Gideon and his 300. There are other people and they're unnamed, many of them unnamed. But there is much heroes and God says he's providing something better. I thought about that. Like, well, what could that be? I might even said, what on earth could that be? And God said, that's what's wrong with your thinking. It's not on earth. Yeah. yeah. A home in heaven. Oh, you might have sheepskins down here. You might not have the fanciest clothes. You know, I've struggled most of my life. Try, I only got a couple of suits, you know. And, and, and you're like, wow, man, you know, some, some, some of these pastors, they got, you know, a suit for every day. And, and don't go buy me a suit for every day. I'll get one. <laughs> Just, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes, you know, I live most of my life out of a hand-me-down bag. I did. We were PK kids. We were missionary kids. My father, my family, my father, we lived by faith. He was full-time in the ministry. And I got news for you. You don't get in the ministry, get rich, unless you're a false prophet. God says, no, I'm providing something better. A home in heaven. It's just around the bend. We're getting close. You won't have to worry about sheepskins then. He's going to give you a robe. You don't worry, have to worry about being destitute. There's a street of gold you're going to walk on. We walk on gold over there. Mm. You see, we got a new body waiting for us over there. They might saw this one in two. They might burn this one down here. They might shoot this one down here. But God says, don't you worry, I got a new one waiting on you. And it's flesh and bone. But he says, you'll be able to walk through walls. You'll be able to fly through the air. And you can just think it and you'll be there. I'm providing something better. See, God's not looking through the keyhole. We are. We can't see eternity. And God says, I'm providing something better. Hang on, my child. Just hang on just a little more. I understand. God knows it doesn't make sense to us. It, it does not make sense in my mind why a group of people would slaughter and murder babies. I don't know about you, but that don't make sense to me. And then the world justify that. Ah. I think about my little doodle bug, my little grandbaby, and thinking what kind of animal would come in and butcher her. Those people were not having a good, a good day. But those babies are. They're in heaven. God provided something better. They burnt some of those bodies beyond recognition. God said, I'm providing something better. It don't make sense to me, God. Why are you letting that go on? Why does that keep going on? When are you going to put a stop? I'm providing something better. You don't know everything that's going on. And I'll tell you this. God is a gracious God and long-suffering God, and He wants to give those people that did that a chance to repent. They're not going to. 
but God's just. He gave the Canaanites, when they come into that land, 450 years to get things right. That's a long time. That don't make sense to me. I'd have done dropped the hammer. Y'all better be glad I'm not the president. Because I'd have not only dropped the hammer and pushed the button on them, I'd mm, get me started. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I'm sure there's things that's happened in your life, maybe even going on now. It does not make sense. I'm telling you, trust God. I am telling you, consider the cross. I'm telling you, keep the faith. And I'm telling you why is because God has prepared something better for us. This is just for a little while. God is providing something better. When it doesn't make sense, God is still there. Let's all stand, please.